Hello and welcome back to the Charlie Ashby Show. This week I am once again joined by a very dear friend, one who works with Lego and has a degree in military history. It's Nikki Kumar. How you doing, mate? You know, not too shabby. How about yourself? I'm doing I'm doing alright. We had a bit of a weird day today. Um yeah. my sleeping pattern's all mixed up and I just think this year has just been a bit of a weird one. Um But yeah, what about you? All good? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely I know I know the feeling with the sleep patterns. I've been on this like oh, it's basically during lockdown I've been stuck in some of the most um <laughs> bizarre patterns and like it it felt like I was like basically working a night shift and like I would be awake until like 6 or 7 in the morning and then I'd sleep like almost all morning and afternoon. And then I just wake up feeling like shit again, and then that's exactly <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what's going on here. And then uh, yeah, so like I was kind of similar. This I've been similar this week, and it, like it doesn't help when you know everything going on right now is so so mentally draining, and then you it it you know it's compounded by waking up and feeling terrible. Like I yearn for almost early lockdown <laughs> where <laughs> it was kind of fun for a little bit and you're like hey no responsibilities and you know i'm just gonna re- relax and like watch tv and now it's just like everything is just like wait right and it's it's not easy yeah. but yeah yeah it definitely has a weird sort of vibe to it now where Everything's just so terrible. So you're mentally checked out and you're like, look, I'm going to spend most of the day asleep. So you force yourself asleep. And then when you wake up, you're like, I regret all of that mm-hmm. because I just feel guilty internally. And now I can't sleep because I'm, I've slept it all off. Yeah. So then you sort of stay in bed at, at night like, well, but I waste my time. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's just it's a, like this vicious circle of suffering <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely way to put it yep it's uh just the, you know the the reality of our of our moment which is a beautiful thing to acknowledge yeah but let's throw all that aside let's put all the negative stuff away well not all the negative stuff but because we want to be earnest here but let's put all that aside the lockdown stuff and get some talking Mm-hmm. so I've got a question for you, Nikki Kuma. Oh, okay. Ready? Hit me with it. What inspired you growing up? What inspired? Um, that's a good question. I think. I think it's always been this idea. Of. Maybe maybe it's like partially selfish. I could always like impress adults, <laughs> um, and I, maybe that just kind of fed into this thing. Like I was, as a child, I think I was definitely able to sort of like at, at school, like engage. Like you know, there's there's a group of kids in in class who like you know are. That's a really not assholey way to say this. <laughs> it's like 
you know, there's there's some people who embrace the, you know, the um, the academics of school better, <laughs> and and you can, and I think in that way, like it, you know, even as a like I was a sub briefly, um, and when you go to when you work in a school and you work with students and you like it's very gratifying when you see those students who like pick up on things and are like eager to do things and I think I was always that kind of kid in school so then that sort of fed into teachers like sort of making me um like challenging me and giving me new ways to like sort of exert myself and I think that sort of just instilled this sort of belief of like I can do things I can be you know an impressive person I can you know sort of quote you know air quotes make a difference kind of thing and like and you know reality and growing up has slightly dented it <laughs> but I but I still I still believe it I still believe that like I can I can do things and my my sort of like like I I can earn a place where you know, people want to either hear what I have to say or, you know, value things that I put out into the world. So I think that's kind of been like a driving force. It's all, it's, it's always been this sort of notion of I can, I can make myself matter to other people's um, experiences. And that's like, I find that inspiring when other people do that. Like, you know, we we uh, talk so often about creators of, uh, you know, the things we love and how they impact us. And I think that the desire to be able to reciprocate that or not reciprocate it, but take that and then give it to someone else, um, I think, has always been uh, sort of a driving force for me. That's interesting. Um, what do you think this, like the spark of that was like? Were your, were your parents like that? Did they instill that in you or did you just it just happened um i think so like i was very i think it was it's like feedback i guess because i was i was a very animated kid at times and i would like film sock puppet shows and come up with weird stuff and like be i i mean it's like just the plain and simple thing was like the adults around me thought I was funny for my age. <laughs> um, so like that sort of just was like a feedback thing. Like, Oh, I am, I'm doing stuff that is like entertaining to people and not stupid <laughs> to them, which is nice. Cause I mean, there you can be a kid and you can be animated and be annoying. Um, so I thought, I think the, just yeah, just like it's almost like positive reinforcement. Like whatever I was doing with my life, it was it was uh giving me this feeling of like like self-validation or whatever. Um so I think that was it was it maybe you know less about um you know seeing it off someone else, but more just sort of getting it back. I think that's a great sort of trait that I like the idea that you actually um, feel good about helping other people or um, 
doing something good. Especially, and it seems like the way you described that there, it's like the, making people laugh as a kid. Mm-hmm. You can you could process what other people were looking for. So in that situation, so for example, in a in a classroom, you know that the teacher would actually want you to <laughs> actively learn and do well and use that time, as opposed to, um, for example, if you were like a British kid called Charlie who was listening to music on his iPod, on his iPod <laughs> instead of doing uh, a maths question. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine that they would have preferred people like you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's always, it's one of those things. I mean, again, like I have very limited teaching experience, um, but from what I saw, it, it, there's levels, right? So it's like, there's there's the kids who mess around all the time, which are the ones you don't like as much (laughs) then there's then there's a middle which i would say is what you described for yourself where maybe you're not doing exactly what you should be doing but you're also not causing a problem (laughs) so like (laughs) we're fine with that (laughs) and then and then it's then you have the the you know the overachievers and whatnot um but yeah no it's like i think also i was able to uh i wasn't you know always you know perfect i um definitely use that trait for for evil <laughs> like by the time <laughs> i was in high school where it was i know what my teacher's looking for i know how my humor can distract what they're looking for and i can get away with pretty much half-assing everything um so it's like it's one of those things like but but i think it definitely did start at a a place of purity um but yeah, you had your Uncle Ben moment where you right. realized I, I can't just waste this uh, this talent, this skill, um, or do it for bad. You you got to use it for the good. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I I love that sort of notion. Uh, something we talked about in the past, and I think we just talk about in general when it comes up in conversation or just you know we make jokes about certain things is that we both share a deep love for history. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, what was that spark which first fired up your interest in history? Um, it's actually, it's what I, um, it's what feeds what I do now, which is, or I guess what I try to do now is uh, write stories. And I think um, it was something I discovered a little late of like why I actually was really into history. And it's just, it's because it's, it's like the narrative is, you can't, like there's, obviously there's, I don't think there's like, um, I don't think there's much boring history, right? Like, yeah. you know, you get, you get people who are like, oh man, that class was so dull. Oh. And like, but you know, when you dig into the deeper things, you dig into motivations and, um, you know, context and you know, cultural beliefs and identities and how that all feeds actions. And then these actions define our lives. It's like, it's, it's like a, it's just a great story. And it's like, it's funny, you you mentioned I have that um, (laughs) military history degree. And I didn't realize that until I was doing that degree. And they were like, 
you know, we were trying to do dissertations and papers and they were like, well, what's your argument? I'm like, I don't want to make an argument. I just want to, <laughs> like, I just want to tell the story. The story is the, the beauty of it. Um, and I was like, wait, this is what academics is. It's, it's not, it's not really engaging with what, like the base level of like what I like, um, which is sort of why, which is what like pushed me into, I've always loved history because I've always loved telling the story or like and seeing a story be told and now it now that just sort of um you know inhabits the way I perceive creating stories and it's it's sort of less about like I'm not looking to redefine the way we interpret you know blah 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 that that's never the kind of historian I ever wanted to be um but so much of like being an academic historian is doing that. Um, mm. So that's kind of why I shifted courses. Um, but it's, but I mean, it's something that always will all, you know, always be interested in. I'm always, you know, trying to find a good history book to read and it just, you know, it just informs everything that I do now anyway, which is, you know, not necessarily, you know, being an academic, but, um it's it's still very you know ingrained in in what I do and what i how I process things that's really funny because the next question was actually um when did you first realize that you wanted to be a screenwriter? It seems like there's mm -hmm. two, I didn't even realize before how much of um your love for history and or just in history in general and screenwriting how much they overlap actually that's yeah interesting how you it's all that. it's all linked um and like my, my, my parents always make fun of me because it's like, because they're like, you, you sort of jumped around a little bit as far as like career paths. And like most good children, <laughs> I, I spent a large chunk of my life wanting to be a paleontologist. And then, oh, wow. yeah, like that was, and that was, when I say a large chunk, I mean a large chunk. It was like, like first grade to eighth grade kind of thing. Um, and then, then when I hit into like high school, I got into um, sort of like the idea of film. Um, I got into animation a little bit. I wasn't good at animation, so that sort of dropped off. <laughs> and then I then I started uh, studying like government and politics and um, the intelligence agencies, and um, that was sort of like where my mind was at when I was going to college because I, I started, I, or like I went in on a political science degree. And so my mind was definitely post uh, college, I would do, um, try to go to, into like the intelligence community. Um, and then, so like I had this, and then, so it was, it was like, you know, that's like a few paths. And then like the more I thought about it, I was like, why did I want to do those? And it was, it always came back to one thing was I probably saw a movie about them <laughs> and <laughs> and uh those those movies so deeply like got into me I was like oh well, that's something and little did I like actually realize it it was less about the subject matter and more about what a movie was accomplishing in my own life like how it was able to push me in these different directions. So 
it's like it's almost like my whole life of thinking I wanted to do other things has really just sort of secretly been about one thing and that's like you know the power of of telling a a good story and what that can like awaken in any different person that's crazy and I feel like what you said about history as well just in general like the idea that because obviously history in itself is um, an important story in terms because because it is people's real lives being told Mm-hmm. But also the fact that these narratives don't necessarily, we don't have all the information. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's a puzzle piece and you have to actually put that together. So I can actually see like where the screenwriting sort of mindset comes in because you have to manage to get all these bits of information and tell a story out of that. Um, and I think that's the same like with all the other stuff you mentioned as well. Like, you're right, all the stuff, it's not like you're hopping around but more that you're gradually getting to the goal where you want to be all along. Mm-hmm. Um, that's crazy. Uh, obviously, a lot of time you spent on one of your degrees was in London. Right. And if, if you if you listen to the podcast, I'm from London. I'm a Londoner. And I love London town. Um, but, if, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, obviously, you've got family from over here. Mm-hmm. So... How did it feel coming over to England and living here for a while? Did you fit in really well? Like, did you feel like, oh, I belong here? Like, it, it, deep in your DNA, did you feel like, okay, no, I feel like I, I can feel comfortable here? Or was there a bit of getting used to that? Um, I think the the most ex- the most like exciting thing for me was uh, I'd always wanted to live in a a gig- you know one of these global cities, right? Like. Like, you know, places like London and New York, they, they're they bigger than even the countries they, like, exist in, mm. right? Like, they, they are, like, global hubs. Um, and I've always wanted to sort of experience that. Um, so that was probably the biggest thing that I had to get used to. But actually going to England was not, no, it, it was like, it's it was like second home. Like I'd I'd been there, you know, visited so often. Um, at the time, I had family who lived in um, uh, Rochester, which is know, like a forty-minute train ride away. Um, so it was it was very simple in that regard of of uh, sort of assimilating and knowing just culturally, even just the most simple things of when I go to the shop, what do I like, kind of thing. Um, like, I, that was all very easy. Uh, so I'd say, you know, the the, only, the real challenges were just sort of the, um, uh, you know, being in a big city by yourself. Um, I, was, I was luckily in, you know, uh, just sort of focusing on school. I didn't have to do much outside of school um so that was that was pretty easy um and i just i basically i basically went in straight from undergrad so i was still in my sort of like school brain so like there wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like i i'd taken this long break and then trying to get back into the rhythm of of schoolwork um so i think yeah there's and then just you know the 
the notion of you know being being in Austin in undergrad and you know your friends were a ten minute walk away. Now it's like now they're you know three thousand miles and six six hours uh you know in the past kind of away. Um, so I mean those those are probably the only challenges, but. I think as far as being in, um, in in London, was not that daunting, um, just because I I'd been there so many times, and I mean, I, like I technically have citizenship, um, so it's like it's it's it didn't feel like I um, was in the wrong place, uh, so it, that was definitely comforting, and so also so many people in my um, program were uh, actually U.S. military, so it, like basically the the breakup of the students were probably like fifty percent um, uh, like uh, British, and then the other fifty percent were foreign, and a lot of those were people who were you know sent by their you know given. Uh, military academies to go get, you know, this higher education. Um, and then out of the foreign side, probably 60% of those were uh, U.S. people. So, like, my the best friend I made there was from Philadelphia area. So, like, I, I always had this sort of link back to the, like, normalcy of home. But then I could also be the the person who kind of knew the ropes already. So I, I could be both guide and tourist at the same time. <laughs> so That's it was, fascinating. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was it was a good time though. I I really miss um living there. Would you ever move back? I mean, I talk about it all the time with because my my family, uh, like my parents, I they I think they really want to go back, um, because they that's where they they met there and they moved then they moved to the US. So I think probably someday they will. And I mean, I'm not against it certainly. Um it's almost like if I get the the right kind of job opportunity, I always like my mom's always like, "Do you want to go work at Pinewood?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, I do." <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely something that I you know, would would not dismiss if if the right sort of opportunity came up. When you said about New York and London in, in general, like in terms of how these cities have some sort of effect, I feel like for me, not only is it in terms of pop culture and just the general effect they have on the world, mm-hmm. but I also feel like there's a specific genealogical like siren call there's this weird sort of sense of I'm being drew, like I'm being pointed in this direction. I know for me personally, um, I've I've completely thought about going to America and moving there, mm-hmm. uh, especially like places like yeah, like obviously you live in LA at the minute. I've definitely felt about like moving to LA potentially, but then deep down, I'm like I always just pictured myself being back in London. Mm-hmm. It like that. No matter where I go in the world, I've lived in Northampton for most of my life. I've actually lived here longer than I lived in London, but London's still my home. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, do you have that same sort of pull? Because obviously, you've got like the background and the genealogical like history as well. So you, do you have that sort of feeling as well? Specifically for London, uh, or just England, anywhere in general? Like you're like, um, I don't know. It's like I feel like things, it's things shift often in my mind. I'm I'm really bad at wanting the thing where I'm not, <laughs> you know, like, so, so like, you know, when I, when I was just specifically now and I'm, when I was living in Texas and I, you know, I saw this, I saw Los Angeles as this, you know, like you said, like this beacon, like it's there. This is where opportunity is. This is where, you know, you can chase the thing you're after and then you go do it and you get there and you're like, okay, this is happening. And then you're like, damn it, I really miss my friends. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, look, think oh, think about how easy. Oh, it'd just be like, oh, oh, it'd be so cheap. You'd just be with everyone. You could find something that would make you happy, sure. Um, so it's like, it's it, for me, it's at least sort of this battle of weighing those two things. So I don't know if I specifically feel a call anymore. Um, Again, I think now I've gotten to this point where certainly because certainly after moving to l a in uh in the hopes of you know sort of forging an opportunity, I think now I've you know been through this uh you know almost two years here, and you know it's it's not been a waste of time, but I mean I haven't exactly taken off yet, which I mean I'm not setting. It's not like I'm like, oh, if I don't do it by the end of this year, I failed. But um, I think certainly now when I think about moving, I think it's it's less it's less idealistic. And it's like and I need now if I make a move, I, I need to do I need to make sure it's because I have a, a clear cut opportunity. But I think I think I get what you mean, though. I think that definitely did exist for me, um, where it was like you just feel this this need like i mean it's like the the binary sunset right like there is something out there and it's there and I, like where i am now is not cutting it and i got to go for it i definitely that definitely does exist and but i think i made i made that jump already so now now it's like if if i need something it has to be because i know where i'm going with it well, that makes sense I think as well, like the way you describe like the binary sunset, for me it feels a bit like as well that scene in Shattered Empire where Leia is on Naboo and she just feels a connection. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of feel when I go to Ireland. I'm like, I've never lived here, but I, because you're supposed to, you're supposedly retaining bits of information in your blood and DNA and whatnot. So I'm like, I, I, I can, <laughs> I feel like I belong. Um, here a little bit. Your, your family from Manchester, right? Yeah, my my mom's side is that's their base of operations. <laughs> that's where they've <laughs> sort of been. I mean, I think I think uh, one one branch of her family came from like a while ago, came from Wales, but then the other side was very like firmly Lancashire planted. Ah, uh, so you're a Celt. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's why we're friends. We've got we've got the 
the two things you need in life. You got part Celt, part Northern. <laughs> yep. I I'm trying to think though. I I remember someone saying, like, if if you pushed it back far enough, the like, the the trajectory would point to Mercia. Hmm. So, I that's that's where like. Also, really random side note. That's why I think I'm going to struggle big time with this new Assassin's Creed game. Because. Yeah. Like, they're like, Arthur's the. Or uh, Alfred's the villain. I'm like, no, he's not. (laughs) 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 That's the exact thing I said when I saw the trailer. Like, you get to play as Alfred, right? Like, he doesn't lie. He's called the Great. He's not called the Terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, of course. Of course, uh. People did shitty things back then, <laughs> but <laughs> but like, come on, Alfred the bad guy, no, no. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, very much so. You know, I have. I mean, I was the first person in my entire genealogy, known genealogy at least, um, to be born in the U.S. So, um, very much like everything. Um, like you know of my of my heritage is not rooted here um and and you know my sister was born in in yorkshire so she's english but you know they moved here when she was little so she's also in a similar like position to me where it's like uh we're we're very um you know first culturally in like outside of America, but just as much versed culturally in America because we've lived here our whole lives, basically. Um, so yeah, no, it's an interesting sort of uh, blend that happened. I love that. Like, I just love that because obviously America is just such a interesting idea in itself, and obviously growing up there all that time. But I think it's just like, like you said about moving around a lot. That's, maybe that fits into like the whole genealogical side as well, like finding your home. Mm-hmm. Does that make does that make sense? Like you know, like you're constantly trying to find a home that fits. Yeah, I mean, um, it definitely does, like, mess with the concept of identity. Like, I don't actually really know what I am, and it's always, it's always been this sort of thing. It's like, what do you identify as? Like, I don't know, because it's, it's like I just like everything is so like central to me um like i don't feel necessarily one thing more than the other um like i feel like i feel indian i feel british i feel american um and there's no sort of predominant um like uh like or you know like dominating side of that where it, yeah, so it, it does get sort of like confusing when, especially like, I feel like, you know, when we, we exist in this, um, you know, like social media sort of community and like fan community where you kind of like have to be known for one thing. Mm. Like, do, do you get that feeling? Like, I do. Like there are people who exist, you know, within like, just you know just taking twitter as our little ecosystem like they are the this person their account is this 
like like oh man i see this thing i think of this person and so like those things are very difficult for me because it's like i can't like define myself as as one thing um and that's you know that that goes both as you know ethnic like ethnicity and um interests and also just you know like within fandom too it's like like i love pilots but i could never be known as the starfighter pilot guy just because like it's just not how i like think um (laughs) so yeah it's it's an interesting like way in uh sort of processing identity i think it's also why i always um really appreciated uh spock (laughs) as a character yeah where where he had this you know this this sort of child of two worlds notion I love that sort of yeah that character pick up and and I feel like on, honestly you, you're all you're all free obviously that all those elements are part of you you're mm-hmm. Indian you're British and you're American and those and that's the weird thing about nationality in general this sort of made up notion mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it I think at least for me personally it, it's ludicrous but it does exist we can mm-hmm. spend all day saying like it's stupid because it is stupid but at the same time I'm like, but I am proud to be British, and I am proud to, you know. Um, and yeah, I just find it really interesting how we sort of utilize those elements. Like you said on Twitter, I'm sure I'm known as the British guy, mm-hmm. um, or the the British one from the podcast, right, right. And that's fine, but I, there's a lot of people like obviously I I, I can't compare my <laughs> issue there to yours, um. But it is interesting the way we we're constantly reevaluating ourselves and the yeah. way we look at stuff. Yeah, and like how you how you like define your place in things. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, it's 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 always it's it's always like an interesting sort of like what what you pick and choose to. <laughs> like enhance at any given moment kind of thing <laughs> yeah and i feel like there's definitely a bit of um a reactionary vibe about stuff as well like i know sometimes when people because i've seen people and even friends joke about things like the potato famine mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a weird like thing to describe i think in america or well, maybe it's not i don't know because obviously a huge chunk went over there but there's a big, obviously the joke is like Irish people love potatoes, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think people just make jokes like, oh, like don't run out of a meal, you won't have anything to eat. And it's like, I laugh and I'm like, do you know like that millions of people die <laughs> stuffed to death? Mm-hmm. And I, that's like part of my Irish identity is like, I feel like that makes me really uncomfortable. And I like speaking out against that. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, the people that did that were the British. <laughs> Who I am also. Um, so that's an interesting thing. Do you ever get that sort of side of thing? <laughs> um, yeah, let, thing? let me let me tell you. We have the most awkward. <laughs> I mean, I I say it's not really awkward, but when you break it down, it kind of is. But the most the most awkward days are Independence Days <laughs> in our house <laughs> <laughs> because it's like the the country I was born in and my dad was born in was previously managed by the country my mom and sister were born in. <laughs> and and we're always in this sort of like 
And yeah, again, it's like, what, like, where do you feel? Like, what, like, what is your, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, generally when there's two sides of something, you, you two sides of a conflict, right? You, you Mm. feel like you have to take a side. Um, And that, I think that's why probably like my favorite historical period, like the one I probably focused on the most uh, through my, um, like a graduate degree was sort of like 1750 to to 1815 and this like era of colonialism and whatnot mm. and and the sort of like but more the military side of of that era um but i think it's always been sort of fascinating because i've always had to reconcile this feeling british and feeling american and then every single joke you could possibly imagine about the the revolution right and like and yeah. having to and having to feel like well and having to like but actually every side of that argument you know and um it's it's always that's why i think that always kind of drew drew me to that period because i could be like i i just wanted to be able to to reconcile each each side of it and like i think i have like like i can definitely i think i I think I got in trouble in um in uh <laughs> in college for on an exam explaining the revolutionary war through the um by like justifying British actions. Ooh, that's interesting. And, and actually that was that was actually my my graduate dissertation was um if if William Pitt the elder continued his seven years war strategy, the American revolution never would have happened. So like, that was like the argument I made. Um, so like, but yeah, like, but within this class of, you know, I was taking an American revolution class in college and I answered an essay by not talking about how like morally corrupt the, um, all the ver- the different acts were and instead giving like, a pragmatic economic uh like explanation of why those acts happened uh they were like well you didn't address the question properly i'm like bullshit <laughs> 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 uh, it's like i know it's 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 been yeah like just going back to independence days it's always kind of like i guess everyone just sort of screwed up in their own way and we just kind of have to accept that <laughs> I will say first of all, I would love to. I would absolutely love to read your dissertation because I'm in. I that just that title enthralls me, and I need to read that. Um, especially the, the very. I feel like yeah, we see it a lot of times on Twitter. It's like, you do realize that if those um, colonies had representation in Parliament, there would probably still be a revolution. Yeah, it was it was margins, you know, and it's and it's decisions of like single people. Um, George III being a big one, um, like it, you know, things could have been so different, and like we, we could have seen a, you know, a British Empire in a in a totally, like obviously they were already this complete juggernaut, you know, through the 19th century and whatnot. But like it could have been so different. It could have been like if you thought there was domination, like it could have been even bigger. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's fascinating how just these little 
little margins could have changed um, so much of what we understand now. That's crazy. And I feel like what you said, you were the perfect in-between because you're not biased on either side because you like, you're being drawn in both directions. Exactly. Like I, I, um, you know, have like historical reverence for, you know, these people on both sides who, you know, did, they were, you know, incredible influencers, I guess is, is the the best <laughs> word. I won't say like they were amazing people because you can't process it that way. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, just to, to see people on either side, um, and just sort of like, and to understand, I think that's what it is, like, to understand why they did the things they did. And just to loop that back to screenwriting, like, that is the most vital thing you can portray in any character is, is you have to, you have to communicate their motivations properly and, and make sure that when they do things, um, that's because they have a very specific and informed opinion and you it's not a question of whether it's right or wrong it's is it right or wrong to them right and and like that's where i feel like history and and screenwriting sort of like marry each other so well perfect well, let's go back to a little bit more about screenwriting uh, so what's the best part about living in la oh um <laughs> I, I won't actually say the screenwriting <laughs> because <laughs> it's let me like so i i moved here because i got into a course at um ucla and uh, on the way to ucla uh i went down sunset boulevard and literally the, the entirety of sunset boulevard are um billboards of shows and movies and coming now or coming soon you know, blah, blah, blah. And every single thing is a no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. Hmm. And it's like this gigantic slap in the face of everything. Like, you're just like, it's it's the weight of expectation, right? And um, yeah. And I think that can be very taxing. So I don't know if that's the best part of LA because it's like you you come here to create and you're constantly reminded of the success that like you're not finding basically. Um, so that's a difficult side of it. And maybe some people see that and they take that in stride and that's their inspiration. And I feel like, you know, you can, you can have days where you feel both, but um, I mean, I feel like the, the best thing about LA for me is just this feeling of being close to, where things happen and like there's there's almost not to say you know people who live elsewhere you know aren't having like relevant lives but like there's a feeling of relevance when you're like close to it and you can almost sort of touch it and um like i mean like just simple things like like i i was lucky enough to go to um you know the jimmy kimmel taping when the star wars cast was there and it's like that kind of opportunity to to be you know around the things that we you know are so interested in and uh interested in being involved in 
um, I I'd say that's kind of the best part, and um, you know, California is not the worst place to live in general. Hmm. It, it and so that that's a nice thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's like a I, I guess it's it's sort of like the the remnants of that beacon we were talking about earlier, where you know it it feels like things can happen for you here even when you have moments where it feels like nothing's going to happen but there's still that sort of sense of possibility and I, that's probably the best thing that dick whittington call come back to london yeah <laughs> um yeah because as i say like what's the worst part obviously as well uh, looking for work but i guess you sort of answered that in terms of the pressure obviously of all this like stuff in the background that's, and that's what it is like there's this there's this feeling of I need to be doing something. I need to be proactive. And if I'm not, it looks like I'm failing. And I think that's, that's very hard because like, this is, this is a city and, you know, the industry uh, where it's like, like the hustle is, is what it's all about. Like it's hustling the grind and, you know, and you, you feel this um, like weight to constantly be doing something and but then like on the other side that's that's not always healthy for the brain and you have to like acknowledge that you know not every you can't chase down every opportunity even though that kind of feels like what you have to do and what you're kind of like told you have to do and um sometimes you do just need to take a step back and maybe focus on one thing at a time one aspect and uh but yeah but in general it's like yeah you it's you, you have to feel like you're busy um which is a, a tough thing to constantly sort of grapple with i've got one final major question for you and then we've got three sort of mini quick fire questions if that's okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so the final major question would be if you could be part of any other profession what would it be <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this one because it's totally not anything we've talked about i want to be a formula one driver that's cool that's still cool that's awesome yeah like that would be the coolest thing like it's it's why i love pod racing so much like just the the that like if you were asking me to that question in the star wars universe i'd say pod racer because yeah that's like that's peak like if i could have any skill i'd, I'd do that for sure have you ever been have you ever been to silverstone no, but I've been to um, the Circuit of the Americas in Austin. So oh. I, I have been able to get that environment. And I didn't go for the races, but I went for, like, the the Friday, like, practice um, runs and whatnot. So uh, um, I, I have been able to see it, but uh, no, that's, that's the only place I've been. Well, next time you come over, you got to come here because I live, like, not that far away from Silverstone. Yeah, that'd be really cool, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely one of those cool just... I don't know, but like, I never, I was never really a car person. Mm -hmm. But something about Formula 1 is just so much fun. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a car person either. But it's like, almost I don't even see those as cars, right? It's like, yeah, they're, exactly. they're totally their own, like, beast. Um, but yeah, no, Silverstone would be really cool, because like, obviously, we're both big, um, you know, sports fans, and 
I think there there is some locations, no matter what um, sport it is, even if you like don't really care about the sport, there are some like just places that have this sort of like aura about them, and it's mm. like you kind of you kind of know this is like a big place. I felt that when I went to um, I sort of like walked past Lords, the uh, Ooh, yeah. cricket ground. And you go there, and it's like the home of cricket. And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> like this is <laughs> this is like a big deal. Um, and yeah, I'd feel like I'd feel like Silverstone would be a a similar experience. Oh well, yeah, definitely. Next time you come around, we'll go there, have some fun. I think I went there for a gig once. Um, mm-hmm. and that was fun. And uh, yeah, that was. I think that was the weekend of the F one. So I know that was like I feel like the day before or something. So. Mm-hmm. That was a crazy time. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see you as a F1 driver. Oh, yeah. It'd be, it'd be quite a life. We'll have to do go-karting or something. No, I mean, don't don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> Celebration. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what's going on in Anaheim. If there's any go-karting places. Okay, cool. Well, these are the, the quick-fire questions. Feel free to answer them as um, quickly as you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are big. I mean, the first the first two questions are pretty big questions in terms of very open ended, but very specific. And then there's one question I asked particular people who will come on the show, and because you're a Star Wars fan, I will ask you this question. Uh, Already, you ready? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So the first question is: What's a memory that you cherish the most? Ooh. Um. This isn't a Star Wars question, right? Nope. Any any memory? Oh, man. This is going to be tough. Um <laughs> I feel like I I feel like they're <laughs> going to be like incredibly meaningful ones that I won't think of and I'll just say something kind of dumb. Um but let's see. A cherished memory. I think it, it's just cuz it's the first thing that is popping into my head. It it is a Star Wars thing, and um, it was being there for the the Chewie were home trailer, and there's there it's like literally the first the first time I can recall feeling like like the out of body experience, like it was it's like it's the most unreal feeling I've had, um, where. Like it was just like like time stopped, and <laughs> like you could like sense magic in the air, and yeah, it's it's just something I always I always think about as this like sort of pinnacle experience, um, and I think I think that'll have to be my answer for now because I'm sure I'm sure there are many more important things <laughs> that I <laughs> that I could mention, but it's the it's the first thing that popped into my head. I think that's still a great memory, and it proves, obviously, about how much you love that franchise and how much that has an effect on you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a great memory. Uh, next question is... Right, I hope you prepare for this one. <laughs> okay. What do you ultimately want to be reminded for when you die? Ooh. Um, I think it goes back to sort of what we were talking about at the beginning, and this feeling of 
like, did I make someone feel um, like they could, like, I guess, sort of do anything or do or feel like, feel inspired? I think that's like the only thing I'm trying to, that's like my, my core goal in life. Like, it's, it's, you know, I've had people or, you know, there have been creators that have so influenced the way I feel. Have I done that for someone else? I think that's that's sort of always what I'm going for. Whether whether that's filmmakers or even like even on our level as podcasters, right? Like we've listened to podcasts and we're like, that's money. I love that. And it's like have and so I think now the feeling is as a podcaster now, can I give that feeling to someone else? And I think that's always the goal. And if if my time expires and people are able to say wow, he did some stuff that made me feel like I could take on the whole empire myself. <laughs> um, then I think that would be, that would be success. It's funny you say that because that's pretty similar to what Claire was saying, which I think is a great trait just in general, but also I feel like it's a great um, reflection on myself <laughs> for people mm. who I've chosen to surround myself with. Uh, <laughs> very selfless, very kind, uh, and it's all beautiful answers. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think there was a quote by someone who, I think, um, <laughs> probably we don't really talk about them in public anymore. <laughs> uh, so I won't oh, say okay. who it's by, but I think they said like the the only responsibility you have when you reach the top is to send the elevator back down. And yeah. and I think, I think that is a very um, like sort of noble uh like attribute to think about and and then i like i think of that and then i also think of um uh something sort of like lin-manuel miranda talked about when it when like describing the sort of like drive of of like um portraying hamilton and it's like this this feeling of we could literally die tomorrow it's like, did we make the most of today kind of thing? And, and it's like, no, like no, no day is promised. So it's like, like, I have to work my, like, I have to do what I can now. And uh, I think it all sort of like feeds the same way. It's like, did, am I, am I always using each day to, to further that goal of, of you know, of making that difference? Yeah, it's the old verbiage of, you know, um, treat every day like it's your last. Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. Uh, I hope you prepared for this final question, Nikki. This is the one I ask every Star Wars fan. Uh, feel free to go in depth as much as you'd like. You ready? Mm-hmm. Star Wars or sex? Oh. Let's see. Are you, are you, is it, which one's better or are you eliminating one for the sake of other, <laughs> another? Nikki, you are eliminating one for the sake of the other. Eliminating one for the sake of the other, okay. Um, I'm going to say Star Wars. Uh, like, honestly, like, I feel like as a person, 
I've been more motivated by Star Wars than I have been by sex. <laughs> Which is, uh, I don't know, every, you can you can analyze that however you want. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's, you know, people, people who don't like sex like Star Wars, right? Um, so you can make the argument that Star Wars is bigger than sex. And, and I think, I think, you know, Star Wars is less likely to cause the same kind of maybe emotional or physical damage that sex can. So like, there's that aspect too. It's like sex can be more dangerous than Star Wars. Um, and the sort of motivations that come from that could be more dangerous than Star Wars. So, yeah, I think I think a, I think a healthy Star Wars is a uh, is something that I'm always here for. Well, we're to bring it down on the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect answer. I think Claire said the similar sort of thing where. Uh, again, my two podcast hosts picking Star Wars over sex is just tremendous. Um, I mean, it's, I probably it's, would say it's funny how similar they are, right? In a way. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, um, they're they're both very personal um, and they they can both be ruined by other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I think, yeah, I think a healthy, like obviously a, a healthy relationship with, with both is what leads to happiness sometimes it can be a five minute animated short sometimes it can be a two hour film baby oh yeah well what a perfect way to end off this uh episode three <laughs> there we go the revenge uh, of the Nikki. sith of the lot <laughs> thank you so much for coming on um it was so fun to sort of talk to you about just you know diving a bit more into you for once. Yeah, for sure. No, it was a good time. And, uh, very, very insightful, thought-provoking questions. So, well done Thank as you. an interviewer. There you go. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much. Uh, is there anything you would like to plug? Oh, um, not really, honestly. If <laughs> I mean, I'm on Twitter at Nequitius, N-A-Q-U-I-C-I-U-S, C-I-O-U-S, um, and then of course the Imperial Senate. Um, but uh. But yeah, that's that's basically it. Um, if I if I ever reach some level of success where I write something, I'll plug that at a given date. But uh, <laughs> we'll have you back on. <laughs> yeah, but for now, yeah, just simple old twitters. Well, thank you again for having for coming on. Um, it was just great to talk to you about just life in general. Um, and yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next time. See ya.